0: Initiatives like Pathways to Bright Futures allow students to graduate high school with an associate degree or an industry based credential, along with their high school diploma. More information at ebrschools.org. From Mansur's on the Boulevard, we're Out to Lunch with Stephanie Regal. It's business, Baton Rouge style.
1: Hi, I'm Stephanie Regal. Welcome to Out to Lunch. We focus a lot in our society today on those who make their living in front of the camera, whether acting or influencing or prognosticating on important things, but those who actually shoot those images and videos have equally interesting stories to tell and businesses they have built doing it. They also have something of a unique perspective that comes from looking into that two-dimensional viewfinder or screen that informs their work and in some instances inspires them to do bigger things with a more far-reaching impact. With me today to discuss this is John Jackson, co-founder of Launch Media, a full-service multimedia production company that offers video production, creative services like brand development, scripting, and casting, post-production, motion graphics, and animation and corporate communications. That suite of services has evolved from the company's origins back in 2005 when it was called Green Screen TV and pretty much just made short videos. Over the years, the company has grown, John has become active in the community and the redevelopment of downtown Baton Rouge. In 2014, he bought a historic building in the heart of downtown, renovated it, and opened it as a co-working space for creative companies called the Creative Block. John is a native of the Lake Charles area who grew up on his family farm and got into video production during his years in college at LSU in the 1990s. And John, it's great to see you again. Welcome to Out to Lunch.
2: Thank you, great to be here.
1: With me and John at the table is Marie Constantine, one of the region's most accomplished photographers and photojournalists who became internationally known for her photographic works of the late Mother Teresa of Calcutta when the Vatican chose one of her photos to hang in St. Peter's Square for Mother Teresa's beatification ceremony. A native of Hartford, Connecticut, Marie came to Baton Rouge to attend LSU where she studied journalism. And in the decades since, her work has taken her around the world, including to the slums of Calcutta where she documented the work of the nuns there who served the poor. In 2018, Marie became alarmed at the buildup and litter of trash that she was seeing in Baton Rouge, particularly in the Baton Rouge lakes, one of the city's most prized assets. She used her photography and the ability to capture images of some of the most extreme examples of the trash, which catalyzed the community and helped her grow a grassroots cleanup effort into the nonprofit organization, the Louisiana Stormwater coalition and marie you're like a hero and it's wonderful to see you again thanks so much Thank also you. for being here john launch media has really grown up since you and michael Truffant started it as a two-man startup shooting videos back when y'all were a little bit younger much younger <laughs>
0: yes much younger i didn't did know
3: you were with michael Truffant. Yeah, 2005
0: um,
1: Wow, yeah. uh, that's so great and and did you expand just because of demand or because there wasn't that much work in Baton Rouge, just making videos? I mean, did you explore new areas because you needed to, or, or both?
2: So we started, you know, green screen TV, we're at the tech park, and it was really more of a technology play. We There were some new tools kind of coming on the market, new software, so we were tinkering with that. How can we get video faster and more affordable to um, a general public? And then the iPhone dropped, right? So that changed everything. So we quickly pivoted to more of a service company, and started doing just traditional production and then we rebranded and launched media i think in 2009
1: right and it's just continued to grow yes since and then. we
2: continue to grow and we've had we've um experiential service uh, pr- um, experiential media services so mm-hmm. like projection mapping vr 360 so you know we continue to add as technology kind of changes as the media market changes we continue to kind of uh, grow with that Excellent.
1: And, and I know there's, there's even more growth on the way, so we'll talk some more about that in a minute. But, Marie, I want to bring you into the conversation. Um, tell us how you got into photography, and, and you've really become something of a legend in these parts.
3: It was just sort of accidental. We really don't have very many family photos. It just sort of, <laughs> <laughs> just kind of happened. I was at the Catholic Student Center, and they needed somebody to take pictures, and so nobody wanted to do it. And so I knew I could borrow this camera, so I said, well, I can do it if I can borrow this camera. So I started taking pictures, and I noticed design-wise right away that there was design in the pictures, and so it just sort of went from
1: there. Interesting. And, of course, back in those years, you were actually using a camera, not an iPhone. So there was a lot of skill and technique, but did you ever um, take classes or at least learn the technical stuff from...
3: A photojournalist well, or at first, at, LSU? at first, I kind of um, just sort of figured it out in my kitchen. I had to wait at night till the sun went down so I could develop the film in my um, in my kitchen sink, and then. But at that point, Business Report they were my first client. And they were already hiring me, and they didn't know that I didn't really know what I was doing. And so there was a lot of stress with it because I was, <laughs> you know, you took the picture and you didn't know if you got it. But I figured, well, nobody's here. They, they're not seeing me, you know, fumble and bumble. If I take four or six rolls of film, I just need one. So it kind of worked out. But as, as time went on, not too much time, I did get to take a class at LSU nice. where they said this is an F-stop. Because I was using it more like a machine gun, just sort of, you know, something's going to come out.
1: So, and just for we'll go back in, in history just a bit for readers, uh, listeners who aren't familiar. So, the Business Report, the Baton Rouge Business Report, launched in 1982, mm-hmm. and you were I, was I guess just a after cub that. reporter or photographer in those yeah, years taking pictures more, for it. Yeah, I I think them.
3: I must have come along. I'm guessing 84. Wow. Something like that, yeah. Very early on, yeah. Interesting, and yeah. you
1: didn't really have any photojournalistic experience. No, none. In years. I had,
3: I had taken a really good picture of Bishop Ott, and Business Report wanted it, and they needed photographers, mm-hmm. and so they liked the photos, so they assumed that I knew what I was doing, and they said, "Why don't you be our photographer?" And I was going to school at the same time and putting myself, you know, paying for college. And so it was a perfect fit. They actually wanted to pay me $50 to take a picture and I just couldn't believe it.
1: That is so cool. So this is sort of an interesting through line here. We're talking about the Baton Rouge Business Report owned by Malara Enterprises, Julio Malara. And they recently had a really exciting announcement with you, John, and Launch
2: Media. Tell us what's going on. They are acquiring Launch Media after 18 years. I felt it was time for kind of a next step and take it to another level. And Julio and I sat down and talked um, and we realized it was a great fit. So we decided to move forward, yeah.
1: And so what will that mean for you, the employees at launch, the services you provide?
2: All the same, same folks. We're not, we're, we'll be at the Creator block, uh, same studio. We'll have more resources now. Excellent. You know, We'll be able to do more things, some things that I've been wanting to do, but just didn't quite have the bandwidth Mm-hmm. are the resources for those so we're excited about the the opportunities and ultimately the cus you know we can we can um, improve the customer experience we can provide more services there's more through line through what they're doing you know on mm-hmm. the uh, ad side print side we can kind of combine with that with our digital so just lots because of opportunities stuff
1: really is going digital i mean when yep. you look at something like tiktok and just the impact even now if you're on a news site or whatever i mean it's video 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 yes isn't absolutely. that true
2: yes absolutely i mean it's 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 heavily digital these days. You can track that, um, you know, so it's easier to show your ROI. So it's, it's absolutely important. Um, and, you know, now with AI and some of the things that are coming up with that, you're just, it's kind of, it's all becoming one thing, right? Mm-hmm. It's so over, so much overlap.
1: Mm-hmm. Interesting. That's great. So you said there are some things that you've wanted to do. Like what other areas are you hoping to expand into now that so, y'all
2: don't currently do? Well, a lot of times we have clients come to us and we'll produce something, but when we're done, it's almost like you give them this nice new shiny video, you know, this media project, right? But you, we don't do a lot of the distribution side, so it's hard for us to track real true ROI on what we were able to produce for them. So with some of the things that, Uh, malaria enterprises has the tools they have we're able to now potentially track those projects beyond that Mm -hmm. right Um, through digital placement we just we kind of stopped there and handed it off to another client to another vendor right Mm -hmm. so just being able to continue that journey with the client is is exciting
1: that's great and and like i asked marie did you when you were growing up uh you know sort of in the Calcasieu parish area did you know how to do videography or you picked it up at lsu
2: I actually was the um, no not videography not at all um, I, but I did work on the yearbook staff I was a school. photographer right so I played with it a little bit then got to LSU and thought I wanted to be an engineer and then I was an architect and then I was gonna do this and that ultimately decided to end up in marketing and then a friend of mine was a he was a photography student at LSU and I went on a vacation with him and watched him you know him, him shooting and just seeing what was going on I would hang out with him in the dark room and immediately fell in love with it. And so I enlisted and ended up getting a minor in photography at LSU, Um, but that was it. It, I saw design in the photograph and it just, I was hooked.
1: Now, do people still use dark rooms today, Marie? Do you still shoot with a real camera and develop your own stuff or is it more a combination of the digital
3: and the... I think there's some people out there that use them just for fun, just Mm -hmm. to be unique. But in general, you don't use a dark room if you're trying to make a living because people really want it today and tomorrow. Right. And so it'd be impossible. <laughs> so how much
1: photography are you doing today? Are you still um, you're, I'm do- you're doing I'm a little doing bit doing more? I'm doing some
3: v- with some of my key clients. I'm not you know, going after new business. I'm doing most of my work now um, using the power of photography to give back to the community, to show what some of the problems are. And it, it's, um, it's been kind of surprising because I hadn't really done that before intentionally. And I've been kind of shocked by the. A response
1: and that's how what led to the the litter issue in the stormwater coalition which I want to get to in a minute but first tell us a little bit more about the work you did with Mother Teresa because that was very impactful as well and really a game changer for you how did you
3: fall yeah, into that that was sort of an accident I think all the good things in my life are accidental but um, that was sort of an accident I she came into town and actually I had heard about her when I was in my 20s and um, I was living in California, and my neighbor wanted to go down to Tijuana to bring food and clothing to the poor, and he was we're, we were going to do it because this is what Mother Teresa did in his mind. Okay. And I didn't know who this woman was, but fast forward, she's coming to Baton Rouge, and know, and so I was asked to go take some pictures, and and I, unbeknownst to me, had taken the beatification photo, and that, you know, it, it stayed in a shoebox for years. And really? then one day... Um, and it was just when she was here yeah, in Yeah, she Rouge. was here, and I took that picture, and that was a beat, it ended up being the beatification photo. So one day... I, I w- meanwhile, I got involved with the sisters, and I was working in the soup kitchen, and so they, one of the nuns wanted to see my contact sheets. I don't... You know, that was an unusual request. So we sat on the porch steps, and I had this, you know, reams of contact sheets of Mother Teresa that I just sort of had in the shoebox. And so she just went crazy and wanted me to start printing for, you know, for them. And so it, it just kind of exploded. Then I started giving them photos, wow. and then there was this priest from um, Spain who, who called me up, and he wanted a photo, and so I sent him a photo. And then fast forward some more years, and he called me one day, and he was in a meeting in Rome, and they were looking for a photo, and they had no photos. And he said, well, I have a photo, and it was that photo that I had sent him. And he laid it down on the on the table, and they said, that's it. But it was a black and white. So they colorized it in Photoshop. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Which, well, that was a twist I wasn't say. It was expecting. sort of horrified because it looked like yeah. uh, tacky Catholic art when right? they colorized it. <laughs> but I thought, hey, don't complain. No, don't complain. So, oh, that's a great
0: story.
1: You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Stephanie Regal. I'm talking to photographer Marie Constantine and John Jackson of Launch Media. John, over in your business as, as it has grown over the years and evolved, you know, I mean, I know there's competition here in the market. How, how how is the Baton Rouge market for the kind of work that you do? And do y'all expand beyond the boundaries of the capital region, or are you um, mostly local?
2: No, we 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 absolutely work outside of you know. Baton Rouge for sure mm-hmm. uh, it, you know the type of industry we're in you kind of can work anywhere and everywhere um, it's competitive here and anywhere you know all the markets you know media is one of those things now it's very easy yeah. to get into the barriers to entry are minimal right right Um, there's a lot of people that are um, intrigued by video right these days so there's a lot of new and -and up-and-coming influencers and whatnot so and that grows into other things right they learn skill sets so it's very competitive so it's important you know for us to it's our you know our clients the relationships we have with our clients you know that they can trust us they can depend they know what they're getting Um, so that's that's kind of our you know what we do here right Mm -hmm. And they know that we have the resources um, we're not going anywhere right
1: How many employees do y'all
2: have? We have six full time right now.
1: Okay. And and that's and then you hire out contract to do stuff. A lot of
2: contractors, you know, with any projects you have specific skill sets that you may or may not need. So we'll bring often freelancers on.
1: And what do y'all do the most of? Is it more ad? advertising-related video or is it like internal
2: You know, it it shifts. Um, I would say right now we have probably a higher percentage in um, external communication, so marketing, advertising, broadcast. Um, In in the past, though, we've had a majority internal communication, which is like your HR, health and safety, human performance, those types of projects, training.
1: And do you still get behind the camera? Or oh do you? no, no, no. <laughs> I, I
2: leave that up to people that are much more talented than I. I still shoot photography, but I don't do the video. Yeah, I, I, I help direct. Um, I work with the client to really kind of boil down what they need, what's that message, what's their why. So I help drive the creative and the content. But yeah, I leave yeah. up. I leave the camera holding to other people.
1: That's great. And and Marie, as you mentioned a minute ago, it was when you were behind the camera that you started seeing some of these issues that you really wanted to bring to the fore and to call attention to. And that's kind of how this whole litter campaign, anti-litter campaign started, which was so um, impactful in the community but how did how did that evolve? Because you took that picture at the Burden Gardens, or you started noticing trash in the LSU Baton Rouge Lakes. Well, and it
3: was actually it was Baton Rouge Lake, uh, the yeah. Capitol Lake first. It it was just an accident. I was down at the lake with my dog, and I never went down to the lake with my dog. And I saw this. I, I think a storm must have come through, and I saw litter like I'd never seen in my life, and it was so horrific. I stood there staring at it, just thinking, this is horrible. <laughs> Nobody can fix this because it's so horrific. And so then I I actually thought of Mother Teresa and, you know, the notion that when something's just so overwhelming, you don't think of success. You just say, I'm just going to pick it up. And so you're sort of faithful. And so I thought, okay, I'm just going to give this, like, a year of my life. I'm going to go clockwise, and I'm just going to pick it up, and I'm not going to say I'm going to complete it or do any, you know, no um, goals. And so... I started picking it up, and then I also decided I was going to post about how I felt about it and what it looked like. And when I did that, unbeknownst to me, all kind of people would want to join me, and that's how that got started. And it was
1: the pictures, really, and especially that picture of
3: the football field worth of
1: litter in the middle of the the Burden Gardens.
3: Yeah, and then after that, I found out about the Burden um, situation with 81 tons, and I asked them if I could— Go over there and photograph that, and so I photographed that, and then Business Report put that on the cover, and that really rocked the city and blew the whole thing up. Yeah, people sure. didn't. Unfortunately, they weren't so sad about Capitol Lake per se because it, it was already thought of as it's not it's it's not even worth it. Right. Yeah.
1: But it was, and I wrote that story, so I know a little bit about yeah. it. But it was it was the power of that
3: image. And yeah. I guess that's the whole thing. It's yeah. the
1: power of an image to really capture the hearts and minds. Yeah. Of, you know, a community, of an audience. Yes. Yeah.
3: You know, with the burden photo, a woman called me up, and she was incensed. And she said, that's not the burden. And I said, I'm so sorry, but it is. And she said, I, I you know, I'm, a, I'm on the board, and that is not the... And I said, I'm sorry, but it is. I said, the director was with me, it is. and, and But wow. she just couldn't fathom that that was out there. Yeah. Because it was hidden. I remember the image. I mean, it was... Yeah, so Stark. Ph- photography shows what's hidden, you know. Right, even I mean,
1: right, even right, sort of in front of us. Yeah. Does it? How concerned are y'all about the whole AI and the the fake, you know, images that now look so real?
3: Um, I'm very
2: concerned d- if it's used as something that's supposed to be real, right? You know, like in campaign, in political sense, right? I know there's been some campaigns toying with that and creating fake images but from a just from an industry standpoint i think that it's got its advantages and disadvantages right Uh, you know we have to be very mindful of that but i mean it is changing you know it's going to speed up certain processes like script writing and and maybe some stock imagery and how you develop that um but it creates other opportunities, new careers, and prompt and how you prompt, how you write into you know into AI tools to get the proper images or text out. Um, there'll be editors, right? You got to edit that information that comes out of it. But um, you know, creative writing is creative writing. Yeah. Right, AI can't reproduce that. You know, images, the original image is the original image, and and AI can't reproduce that.
1: Do you all use AI software in some of your... We are. We're starting to use some of
2: it and creating kind of a tech stack that uses that for certain applications. Yeah.
0: Wow.
1: And, like, what kind?
2: So, writing scripts. Being one of those. Um, Not creative scripts, but, you know, training, things that are very technical. You can kind of load in data set, you know, information, and then it'll spit out, and we actually, through prompts, can create a two-column script out of it and actually even have it voiced over through a trained voice so they're you know from an automation standpoint absolutely speeds things up it reduces overall cost so companies that need to produce hundreds of videos or dozens or dozens this is a tool they can use when you don't need that level of creativity right Interesting. yeah
3: if you combine combine a um designer skills with a photographer skills it's going to be phenomenal in terms of the um, you know there's there'll be no end of what could be done mm-hmm. but when it comes to the media and it comes you know the photography is is one of the few things left that's actually true that we can look at it and say okay this actually happened like the um, the, the guy in China who want the, the lone protester who stood in front of 59 tanks you know you would want to think that that was actually a a news photo and that was the truth or the napalm girl or the Holocaust survivors those kinds of things and so it would be terrible to lose people's confidence in photography and so the news media is going to have to really protect that but in terms of advertising and commercial it's phenomenal it's going to (laughs) be like they're going to love it and and so we just have to try to um and and then also there's going to be some copyright issues that have to be hammered out because what if you grab other people's stuff but you but it's yours and and all that there's going to be a lot of legal battles going on but when it all when the dust settles the news industry needs to protect that this is actually was unedited and this is what happened Mm -hmm. do you worry about it putting photojournalists out of business i worry that photojournalists are already struggling because newspapers can't afford them. And some of them have not gone to journalism school. So, you know, I went to journalism school, so I was taught certain ethical things not to do. And I had to take a media law class and all that. And so I worry about that standard possibly going down because maybe you could just hire somebody that you know because now the cameras can focus and do all the things that they can do you don't need the skills that you needed and so I worry that that standard will be lost and in, and once people don't believe that like you know so the woman that called me what if she thought that was an AI generated well, that's, photo
1: that's what made me think <laughs> of it when you told that
3: story yeah yeah I, I agree then there would be no impact example. on society or Brian Boudreaux's um, photographs of death by litter. you know, mm-hmm. Those mm-hmm. are some amazing images. So we really need to protect this. I don't know how they're gonna do that. But well, and I heard
2: someone say, we're in the era of the unreal. Yeah. When it comes to video and imagery. What is right? truth. And what is true? yeah. And that's very scary, yeah.
1: John, one thing that you did when you, um, through your work uh, was become involved in, in some historic preservation and, yes. and you renovated the creative block. And, and, I, and I wrote a lot about that back in those years. Um, is there still that demand for co-working space and creative hubs where people come together to do that kind of stuff?
2: I think so, yes. I mean, I know for Launch Media, it's a benefit for us being there because we're a small team. So it's nice to have other folks coming through that you're able to innovate, you know, create culture with. Um, I know with, you know, coming out of the pandemic, a lot of people are still working remotely. So we have some folks that work outside of this market but you know they're tired of working inside of the kitchen right mm-hmm. so th- they're there so again it's, it's nice to have that community so I think that's beneficial yeah
1: how is downtown Baton Rouge doing right now um, what is that both of you were down there and very involved in that area I think it's
3: on the upswing it keeps doing these sort of um, it's like the stock market that never goes down it's amazing now they're focusing on um, residential finally Okay. And the reg- residential with Mike Wampold's work is stunning. I know some people that live in those apartments and they're so lucky. And so I think that, that that's just going up, up, up. That's great to hear. I would agree,
2: yeah. Um, I felt it was, you know, the last couple of years, of course, coming out of COVID, things were a little slower. Yeah. The restaurants felt slower. Um, uh-huh. Some some had closed. But I noticed mm. actually yesterday, it just felt like there was more people walking on the street, right? Yeah. So I think it, I agree.
3: Yeah, and all the stuff with the bike paths and yeah. all the different things. It's And then this this whole notion of, you know, being able to go to New Orleans. And it's just, it's yep. unstoppable right now. Well, Marie Constantine and John Jackson,
1: you both are such assets to this community. And you've done so many great things for Baton Rouge through your creative work and your efforts downtown. Good luck with your continued success. And thanks so much for making time to join me today on Out to Lunch.
3: Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you, Sophie.
1: My guests today on Out to Lunch have been John Jackson of Launch Media and photographer Marie Constantine. You can find out more about Launch Media and Marie Constantine photography and hear our unedited conversation with John and Marie on the Out to Lunch Baton Rouge podcast. You can find and subscribe to the Out to Lunch Baton Rouge podcast anywhere you get podcasts and on our website, it's batonrouge.la. If you want to know what we all look like, you can find photos from this show on itsbatonrouge.la and on our Out to Lunch Baton Rouge social media. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsbatonrouge.la and WRKF 89.3 FM. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. Today's show was engineered by J.T. O'Neill. Our associate producer is Peter Raschuti, and our Baton Rouge business consultants are Charlie D'Agostino and Ann Edelman. I'm Stephanie Regal. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you around the table at Mansour's again next week for more
0: business Baton Rouge style on Out to Lunch. Out to Lunch Baton Rouge is recorded live over lunch at Mansour's on the Boulevard in Baton Rouge. Mansour's is open for lunch daily, 11 to 2 and by the East Baton Rouge Parish School System, inspiring humanity through transformational learning in the classroom and community. Initiatives, like Pathways to Bright Futures, allow students to graduate high school with an associate degree or an industry-based credential, along with their high school diploma. More information at ebrschools.org. Mitchell Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. You can hear Mitchell's music anywhere great jazz is sold or streamed and at mitchellforeman.com. If you'd like to be part of Out to Lunch, to learn how your business or organization can become an Out to Lunch program partner, email info at inobroadcasting.com.